Hello and welcome to this episode of the Rising as One podcast. This is Dominic Kearns here with Kyle Mackey and Aaron Blau. How are you guys doing? It's a great Sunday. Uh, doing some taxes for other people. Doing some accounting. Coming off a little bit of a high off of an awesome win against the MLS squad. Oh, you mean another win? Another win, another win, another win from an MLS squad. So uh, sh- sure can't be happier. Yeah, yeah. Same, same with Aaron. I mean, I'm not here doing taxes today. Unfortunately, I'm working on my uh, my intermediate finance homework. But, you know, celebrating this past week, I mean, what is a time it is to be a rising fan. And we were talking about it, you know, off air. Um, we're starting to get really pumped for this season. This preseason has, uh, you know, just just been a great prequel to what this season's going to be. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, Phoenix Rising in the last two weeks has played four MLS clubs, beaten three of them. Should we just get right into that? Hell yeah, you betcha. I mean, it's hard to even think about that being a possibility two weeks ago. As excited as we were for this season, coming off the 2019 campaign, Western Conference, regular season champions, setting point records, but the last couple preseasons have not been kind to Phoenix against MLS opposition. Most years we'll get one MLS win, but then we'll get blown out a couple times, and then maybe another match or two where things don't break our way. Well, we finish the preseason against MLS competition with three wins, one loss, and one I guess three wins and two losses. Um, But with our last two matches against MLS opposition being wins. And we'll start with the most recent one on Saturday night where Phoenix Rising takes down Real Salt Lake 3-2 in a match that honestly wasn't even that close. What were your guys' thoughts? Yeah, you know, I thought that the the team looked really great. Um, Carl Wazinski basically said that in, in a tweet that Phoenix played RSL off the field. Uh, and I can't really disagree with it. Phoenix was in control for quite a good chunk of the match. RSL wasn't a slouch by any means. They played a they played some quality ball, but the balls bounce really did bounce Phoenix's way in a much uh, in, a, in a much more consistent manner. Um, literally, you know, first night uh, in the, in the 19th minute, Joey Farrell is able to take a bouncing ball off of the post uh, that John Baccaro had sent in. By the way, John Baccaro is the free kick taker, period. He solidified it last night as far as I'm concerned. Uh, he just did a fantastic job from start to finish of the match. Uh, Farrell able to uh, to literally take the bouncing ball and put it in the back of the net. So everything went our way last night. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you there, Aaron. And, you know, considering that we were down early on, you know, down one zero to uh, Salt Lake. You know, it really, you know, caught me off guard to see the resolve of this team. But if you followed along this preseason, you know, this team's got plenty of talent and plenty of fight in them. And you know, we saw all that displayed last night. You know, a couple interesting notes. Um, Real Salt Lake—they've been rumored to sign Giuseppe Rossi, um, former Italian international. Um, he chose national team over the U.S. national team has been training with them. He did not get into the match for Real Salt Lake, but it was a pretty strong starting 11 for them. Kyle Beckerman was on. Uh, Matt Beasler subbed on for him. 
Um, and yet still, Phoenix Rising is able to, as Carl Wazinski said, take it to Real Salt Lake. I mean, RSL scored a first goal, um, and there was there was some uh, some people claiming that there was a handball in the buildup. Several Rising defenders said that. People in the supporter section. I didn't get a really good look at that, but um, you know the fans were pretty upset about that. And yet, still Phoenix responds right away and really just dominated from that point on in the first half. I haven't seen Phoenix do that to an MLS team for that consistent a time since I've started following this club. I mean, we were very clearly on the front foot. Yeah, and some familiar faces in that Real Salt Lake lineup as well. I mean, of course, Kyle Beckerman, uh, former U.S. national team player. Uh, uh, Justin Glad was on. Uh, Danny Toya was on as well. Um, Silva Schmidt, Rosniak, uh, or um, Yeah, this is not a slouch of a team by any means. And, of course, Toya and Glad with good Arizona ties. Oh, and one note. It looks like Rossi actually did sub on in the 67th minute. Um, I think, Kyle, you might have mentioned Michael Chang. He came on in the 76th minute. Okay. Yeah, I said I wasn't sure if he had come on, but uh, it, that must have been when, you know, I think that was when Phoenix and um, Real Salt Lake both made mass substitutions. Is that correct? Yeah, and Michael, yeah, Michael Chang, uh, um, of course, Phoenix Rising fans should know, uh, because he was, he is the Cuban national who or, uh, who came over um, and defected, uh, joined Real Salt, the Real Salt Lake organization with Real Monarchs. Had a great season last season. Uh, played in the USL Championship match and was offered a first team contract uh, subsequent to uh, to the end of uh, the 2019 season. Interesting stuff. Um... Do we want to talk about the goals at this time? Because those are some fun goals. Of course. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what it's all about, right? So after Real Salt Lake takes the lead, um, very quick equalizer. And so this was a goal where, you know, Phoenix was really good on left wing after Salt Lake took the lead. John Baccaro puts in an incredible free kick from distance, from at least 30 yards out, curls it off the bar. Um, the view from the supporter section was very cool. Um, and then it just bounces perfectly for Farrell to tap home. Very deserved goal for Phoenix, who had most of the best chances prior to that first goal for Salt Lake. Um, and cool to see Farrell get on the board. Then a little bit later... You know, Solo Asante had already been having chances throughout that first half and throughout the preseason. He finally gets one off a Kanto header, um, the X factor that we've been talking about. Header gets uh, headed back in the box, and Solo just one times it. And guys, we got to talk about the Real Salt Lake keeper here because he wanted no part of that shot. He was turning away from it. How do you do that? <laughs> I mean, absolutely disgraceful as a key, as a goalkeeper. I mean, you should you should know yourself. Um, I mean, yeah, uh, just insane. But um, I mean, you know, he like you said, he wanted no part of it. And and for me, you know, for Asante to be able to pick this goal up, 
Um, and off the volley, great finish. I think this was really big. Asante, you know, he's had a tough, you know, run of matches as of late. Um, and really for him, I think just to keep scoring and to, you know, keep in his form, I think that's going to be the biggest thing to, you know, make him a regular contributor um, in this season. Uh, really, though, I mean, this third goal is the one that takes the cake. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So second half coming to the supporters section, coming towards the south end. Um, Asante was just dynamic last night. And it was also neat to see this was the first time where Phoenix didn't make mass subs at halftime. A couple substitutions, but a lot of the regulars. Um, Asante stays in. Bacaro stays in. Kev stays in. A lot of those guys stay in. And so Asante gets into a good spot on the right wing, plays it back for Farrell, or uh, plays it back for Baccaro, excuse me. Ball gets deflected, and it's really bouncing in a weird way, but he's able to take a touch and then top bins, as Rising tweeted out. He just bangs it with his left foot. Um, could not place it any better into the top corner. Rail Salt Lake's keeper has no chance, and it's 3-1. And that goal is just an unbelievable thing of beauty. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, in the in the regular season, I think that's up there, if not the winner for goal of the week. And I mean, for Baccaro, I mean, the man was just on fire last night. Um, I mean, if not for me, it's either Santi Moore or John Baccaro for the man of the match. You know, Baccaro, he almost hits that free kick. As Aaron said, he's, you know, got to be our first free kick taker. There's no question. And then that goal... I mean, to hit it with that kind of, you know, the way that the ball was bouncing, as you said, away from his body, the technique that he used there and and how he did it and just make it look so easy. Um, I mean, it was just it was a thing of beauty. And and yeah, I really, you know, a great match, great showing from from some of our players. And I was surprised, like you said, that, you know, there wasn't wholesale changes at the 45 minute mark. But I think Rick was testing these guys to see where their fitness is at and how many minutes he can get out of them because um, we're starting to get, you know, creep up on this regular season. Yeah, from my perspective down on the field level, I actually saw this goal happen. I, I feel like I, I, I saw this goal happening ahead of time um, because I actually was taking some photos of, of Asante coming down and I saw him put the, cr- the cross in and I just put my, my, um, put my camera down because I saw John, you know, just juggle the ball and I was like, oh, this is going to be sweet. And I, I couldn't even like raise my camera. I was like, I know what's going to happen next and places the ball in. I, I couldn't see from my angle the positioning, but if you want to see it, go check out uh, the Phoenix Rising Twitter. Uh, Kyle Davison had a just a an amazing angle on it. When he was uh, filming, he was up in the, the, supporters, uh, uh, the supporter stands there, and the ball came right at him. I mean, you talk about upper 90 of the upper 90. It was just awesome. Beautiful, beautiful uh, goal by John. And even got some praise from Adam John, who was watching the game from afar, and said, you know, where'd you get that left foot from? <laughs> yeah, it was absolutely, absolutely ridiculous. Um, and really impressive after that goal, too, because Phoenix continued to keep Real Salt Lake at bay and really limit their quality chances up until they pulled one back at the end. But 
you never had the feeling that Phoenix was really on the back foot, even after it was 3-1. It felt like we were in control, and we had pretty much defeated them, um, which was a very, very welcome feeling, but not a feeling that I've had too many times, so... Well, I mean, especially preseason against an MLS team, um, those you know that that were there for the Red Bulls game. I think that was two years ago. We'll we'll remember that, and you know how we were leading in that, and Red Bulls came back uh, at the very end. I mean, crazy things can happen, and uh, they happen fast in preseason, and especially when you're playing MLS quality opponents. Yeah, no doubt. Um... I guess any final thoughts before we move to the Wednesday match? Not, I mean, not for me. This, this just, you know, kind of showed what this team's capable of. And uh, I, I think Rick Sean said it after the KC match, they've set a standard and I think everyone's going to hold them to this. Not only, you know, the training staff, but also the fans. Yeah. I thought it was a fantastic game. It's my first time getting back on the, uh, back into casino Arizona field. And it was very nice. Always feels like home whenever I get to go back. Yeah, it's it's a blast. That was my first time in the supporter section. On Wednesday, which is kind of a good segue, I was covering the match up in the press box. Um, Wednesday's match saw Phoenix Rising play Sporting Kansas City. And one of the storylines was the return of Amadou Dia to Phoenix. Um Dia got to start for Sporting Kansas City. He played about 60 minutes. Neither team really came out with a strong starting 11. Um, you know, both teams had a couple regular guys mixed in, but mostly bench guys at the beginning. Um, Phoenix had the chances in the first half. They had most of the possession. They were on the, they were the stronger side. Junior Fleming's had a couple shots denied by the SKC keeper. Um, Lagos Kunga impressed once again. Um, but I think he had one or two shots that were blocked. And Sporting Kansas City was just trying to play long balls. Um, they really weren't able to create too much sustained pressure. Phoenix a little unlucky to be going into halftime nil-nil there. And then second half comes, Johnny Russell scores, and then they bring in the big guns already with the one-nil lead. And at that point, you're not thinking like, oh man, this is this is going to be a Phoenix rising victory. But then, Aaron, were you there? Tell me what happened next. You know, I wasn't there. I was out coaching my kid's team. Um, so I, I did not get to see any part of the match. Okay, Kyle, did you see it? You know, sadly, I didn't. I ended up with the uh, that good cold that's been going around this past week. And I, you know, I was, we said it, I think it was the last recording that the Sporting KC match was the preseason, the visit Tucson Sun Cup match that I was looking most forward to, and I didn't even make it out to the match. I was at home on the couch, um, and actually, I think I fell asleep right after the Johnny Russell goal. I remember us being down 1-0, but I don't remember anything else. So, Dom, you might have to take us through this one. Yeah, so, you know, we're down 1-0, and... Sporting Kansas City brings on their big guns. They bring in Tim Malia, goalie. Um, they bring in... I mean, I think they had... Oh, gosh. Who was it? They had Graham Zuzi in. And Graham I was going to say, I, I know Graham Zuzi played. 
Um, Susie got rocked a couple times too. Um, so the first goal is just a real battle in the midfield, and Jordan Schweitzer gets the win. He wins possession, um, plays a ball to Joey Calistri, and then Calistri just a beautiful pass to Santi Moore, who still has to make a great touch on the ball so that it doesn't get out of his reach and then has the wherewithal to put a good shot on target hits it off the crossbar goes in 1-1 and that was just such a cool goal and such a terrifying goal for Phoenix Rising's opponents because those are the goals we haven't seen too much in preseason but those are the kinds of goals we were scoring a lot during the win streak just a quick counterattack, lethal finish um, very difficult to compete with that kind of speed and clinical finishing. And uh, it shows the talent that Santi Moore brings to the table because that finish was awesome, but throughout the preseason, he has just been... You can tell that he is class compared to most guys at this level because he can more than hold his own with guys at the MLS level, and he showed it right there for the 1-1 goal. Then it was pretty good action back and forth. And Phoenix kind of gets a goal out of nothing in the 78th minute. Tim Malia, just a careless pass in the back that gets intercepted by Kalisri. You know, he, he gets that uh, first touch to intercept it. And then the second touch to put it in over Tim Malia, who's charging and he's down on the ground. Very cool finish to make it 2-1. And then afterwards, Phoenix pretty much just holds on. A couple nervy moments, but... Um, Pretty good value for the 2-1 final score. It was interesting because the first half, Phoenix had most of the possession and probably should have been ahead. And then in the second half, Kansas City had most of the possession and definitely did not deserve to lose that half. Uh, but that's the way it played out. But I think 2-1 was a good, fair scoreline and an incredible effort from Phoenix to play that well against the first team lineup for sporting kansas city yeah yeah i mean absolutely incredible and that's the one thing you know that unless you really look at the breakdown of this match and you know see when the subs were made people will write this off as say oh it was preseason they were playing you know skc's mostly you know reserve squad but that, that was not the case all the goals came you know when the skc first team was on the field um, so great result. I mean, for me, Kalistri, he is going to be our super sub this year. He might even, you know, work his way into starting. It's tough to see him overtaking some of these other guys, but I mean, the guy's been there in every single moment coming up with goals throughout preseason. I really like what I've seen from Joey Kalistri. And, uh, stay tuned because we're going to have a little bit of audio from, from Kalistri and also from Dia on that match. So, Definitely stay tuned for that. Um, but I think you're dead on, Kyle. He he could really be that super sub, and he already showed flashes last season. So if he can really do that consistently for us, if we have him and Kunga coming off the bench, it's just going to be such a problem for other teams. Yeah, yeah, and that's exactly what I'm thinking. I mean, when you bring these guys in who have speed behind them, they're going to be fresh legs coming in in the you know 70th, 75th minute. There's going to be a lot of late goals to be had by Rising. Um, well, since Aaron wasn't able to see this match, let's move on to 
last Saturday. Uh, last Saturday, where Phoenix hosted Columbus Crew. This is a match that I saw the first half. I didn't see the second half. Um, but it seemed like Phoenix had most of the possession and the best chances. And for some reason, the ball just didn't hit the back of the net. There was one particularly notable chance late in the first half where Junior Fleming's cut on his inside around the 41st minute. Looked like a surefire goal, but um, the shot was saved. And then the rebound goes to Rufat Dadashov, whose rebound attempt also gets saved. Um, that Columbus keeper had himself a hell of a night. And then in the second half, um, after missing a chance in the first half, Giazzi Zardes gets a pretty simple tap-in finish. And Columbus crew sees it out for the 1-0 win. But this is another match where Phoenix's guys more than held their own against an MLS squad and were pretty unlucky to not get at least a draw. Yeah, and I I think this was the match where we had a missed penalty as well, correct? That is correct. Solo Asante, um, with a chance to put Phoenix ahead early in the second half, very predictably kicks it to the left without much power, and it's an easy save. And... uh I mean, we might as well just address this right now. That dude can't be our regular penalty kick take taker this upcoming no. season. I, I understand that Rick wants to maybe give him one chance in preseason to see if he's got it, and better to do that in preseason, but I think that attempt proves beyond a shadow of a doubt you have to give someone else a chance, whether that's Beccaro, whether that's Rufat Dadashov. You got to give someone else a chance because Solo just doesn't have what it takes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you have the embarrassment of riches that Rising does with this offensive talent, um, I, I just don't see how anyone can rationalize continuing to give him the opportunity when, I mean, I think it's a hangover from last season. He still has not been able to get his penalty kicks, you know, back back on the level that they were and it is you know I think it's down to predictability for him he really is you know just kind of does the same run up the same shot and yeah I mean with all these guys that we have um I mean Barnby more you know there's so many players that could line up even Kunga I mean I I feel like you know Lagos Kunga could have a solid penalty kick in him um, we, we just have to see some variation here, which it's, you know, it's one of those things that I'm sure they're working on it, you know, in training, but it's really going to be nervy. I think when we get the first penalty kick of the regular season, just to see who's taking it and, you know, if they're able to convert. Aaron, your thoughts. Yeah. You know, I, I'm, it's such a hard, hard thing. And, and, uh, one of the guys, whether it was Owen or, um, uh, Jake Anderson did ask uh, Coach Chance about about the penalty kicks, and and Chance said basically, "Hey, Asante's the captain. Him and Vicaro, uh stood in front of the ball. You know, they decided amongst each other. Solo decided that it's it's what he wanted to do. He he stepped up to take it, and um, you know that's and and that's the decision, but." We have too much going on. I mean, I think Moore's got a, got an opportunity there. John, uh, John, I think is is your standard free kick taker. Um, we have so many options that Solo's got to give it up. He he really does, um, and and spread the wealth a little bit. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I'm with you, Aaron. I don't think this is on Rick. I think, you know, solo Asante needs to, you know, be the captain and, you know, use his leadership qualities to see, okay, I'm not what is best for the team in these situations. I need to put whatever ego I have aside and, you know, and be doing what's best for the team. Um, because yeah, we, there, there's just so many players, Flemings, Dadashov, all of them I know have, you know, they've taken a penalty in the past. They probably have, you know, some, some decent skill there. And uh, these keepers, you know, they're able to watch film. And when Solomon Asante, I mean, I don't know, it seems like last year he had at least like 10 penalty kicks. When he's doing the same thing every time, these keepers are going to wise up to it. I think, I think it's just time that, you know, people, uh, they refresh their view on who is our penalty kick taker and how we go about it because right now it's it's definitely a weak point. And that's now, I want to say that's now four consecutive penalties that Solo has missed because he missed the two against Fresno. He missed another one later in the season, and then he, he now missed. So that's enough of a sample size especially when it comes to penalties, that that's a significant trend. And just do the right thing, you know, give another person a chance. Because if you give another person a chance and they don't take it, okay, fine. But, you know, the definition of insanity is to continue doing the same thing that doesn't work and expect different results. So... That's that's our two cents on that, but uh, I'm I'm sure that the team will figure it out and we'll see a different taker when it comes time for the regular season. Going to the last match of preseason that we're going to talk about at least, this one was back on February, I guess February 9th against New York Red Bulls, and or no, not the 9th, the 12th, and this one was a neutral site. Oro Valley, this was a closed-door match. Phoenix Rising didn't really bring out their strongest starting 11, but it was a fairly strong group. Uh, Red Bulls had a lot of reserves in at the beginning. Then they brought in some stronger players towards the end, like Kaku. Red Bulls went ahead first. Phoenix tied it just before halftime with a stellar goal from Lagos Kunga. If you have not seen this goal, find the tweets, watch the video, Kuga takes the ball around midfield, makes a, a Red Bull defender, um, gets past like two other guys, and then puts it in with just the coolest finish. An unbelievable solo run. And I didn't even know that we had this kind of... We didn't... I didn't know we had a guy with this potential until seeing that play. That dude made damn good defenders look like sticks. And then... In the second half, um, Phoenix takes the lead for good off of a set piece. Corner kick gets deflected out to Junior Flemings. Flemings takes a hit, and Joey Farrell gets a greasy goal. I don't know if he backheeled it or if he just deflected it in with his left foot. Hard to tell from the camera, but redirects it into the right side of the goal. Gets the game-winning goal, very hockey-esque goal, and Phoenix emerges 2-1 winners. So my question to you, Dom, is, quote, how do you keep Lagos Kunga out of the starting 11 the way he's been playing, question mark, end quote, as you tweeted to uh, Rising Tactics? What's your, what's your feel on that? Oh, man, it's hard. It's hard. I think, 
I mean, Dadashov is supposed to be the Cortez slash John replacement. He's he's a number nine. He has lots of experience. He's done it in Europe. It's really hard to say, look, we trust you. We're giving you the keys to that position. Oh, but now we're going to start a 21-year-old kid over you. Have fun with that. Um, (laughs) But, yeah. But so I, I feel also, like he's also thanks for flying here from Germany. Yeah, I, I was and just going to say, yeah, you told your German club you were you were done and you left them, I believe, midseason to come join this team in America. <laughs> and you got your passport issues figured out. So you must really want to play for us. But no, we're yeah, going to start right. Kunga over you. Um, oh, man. Yeah, I mean, no, you know, going back to this, this the more serious answer on this is, you know, I watching. I, I was watching the front line so much last night in trying to take photos and whatever. And Dadashev had so few touches in the match. In fact, when when the match ended, I asked a couple of the other guys, "Do you think he even touched the ball once?" Um, because I can't remember a, 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 even a touch, much less a dribble or a possession from last night's match. Now, reviewing a couple of photos. I did see one header. I did have a photo of one header that he had. But he was, uh, Dadashev was a non-factor in the match against Real Salt Lake. Um, whereas Kunga in the match against Sporting Kansas City had a great run uh, where he uh, he split some defenders, then laid the ball off. A uh, ball ended up in the supporter section, unfortunately. Um, but Kunga has had a really great work rate this whole time, and I think it's going to make very difficult decisions, but also give Coach Chance a nice menu of opportunities uh, based on the opponent that's that we're going to be facing. I'll, yeah, I'll say, that, yeah, go for it, Kyle. I was just uh, just to go off of Aaron. I was going to say that's a great point, and for me, I think that's you know who, what's really going to dictate who's starting. Um, as both of these guys get into full form, it's going to be, you know, the tactical formation and the way that we're going to play against these teams. Do we want to play with a point man up top with someone like Dadashov, who's big and tall and you know can play the ball down and lay it off? Or are we going to go at this team and just go all out speed? And um, then you play with Kunga. I think really, you know, we, we can have this or that either or depending on who they start up top. And it's something that, you know, in Phoenix, we really haven't had this. I will say this, though. So, because of the commitment that this team has placed in Rufat, he's going to be the opening day starting striker. I don't have any doubt about that. But if Kunga continues to show what he's shown in the preseason, and if Dadashov continues to not live up to his potential, he's had... Here's the thing. He has very good off-ball movement. And every match I've seen, he's had one or two at least half chances. They're just not hitting the back of the net. Some of them are good saves by the goalies. Some of them, you know, just a little unlucky. He had one against GCU where the keeper made a good save. He had the rebound chance against Columbus where the keeper made a good save. I want to say he had a header last night that went wide where if he had the right touch, it would have been in. And maybe even another chance that got saved out for a corner. I mean, he's not been a complete non-factor but he hasn't had that one goal to break through and this is a dude that you know he does have intelligent play off the ball and he can get involved in some build-up 
but I don't think he's quite as well-rounded as Adam John. So if he's not going to be in form with scoring goals, give me the guy with a high work rate. I think well, if, okay, he, if, he has, if he has a bad – what I'm saying is if he has a bad first month and doesn't break through with a goal in like the first month, then I think you could start seeing Lagos Kunga get starts. So, so this is where I can say uh, the, great, the really good things that I've seen. Number one, he's faster than John is. He's faster and more flexible than John is. Okay, um, what I saw, even though he wasn't getting possession and he wasn't getting touches, every single time the ball was on the back line, he was running straight at full speed at, at, the, at the center backs or at the keeper, and he was really pushing that, that back line pressure that Phoenix had a lot of in the first, I don't know, um, uh, 10 or 15 matches of last season. They really pushed that the, the opponent back line into making mistakes. And Dadashev was all over that. He and he really was was getting those requiring that back line to move the ball around, not letting them rest in any way, shape, or form. So it's not that his work rate is is poor. It's just that it's almost like a different skill set that we've seen already. And John ran a lot, and John but John was a was I want to say I would say he he was a more of a downhill runner, and I see more flexibility in Dadashev. I What exactly can tell me about informs me of that? I don't know, other than just my my opinion. Uh, but I think Dadashev still does bring a lot, even though it's not a foot hitting a ball into the back of the net. That's fair. Yeah. He's he's almost been like a decoy, creating space for other guys making good passes, winning headers when he's had those opportunities. And a um, good first runner. So we've had a couple opportunities where he's been the first runner and the the crossing pass from the wing has gone to the trailer, the trailing runner. Yep. So he's been able to draw off defenders and cause them to give him attention, allowing the ball to move to, uh, to a more open uh, backside run or trailing run. Yeah. Yeah, uh, what both of you guys are saying is the same thing I've noticed from him. His movement has, uh, you know, it's been great. He's definitely, you know, not maybe put himself in the most dangerous of areas, but created space for his teammates to get in those areas. And um, really, I think his heading might be better than what Adam John is. I really think, you know, once he's able to get on form, I think he's going to be a, a big danger in our set piece game. Um, I, I think it's just it's going to come with time with this guy. He's you know playing in the ple- playing in a completely new league in a new country. Uh, it, you know it's going to be a familiarity thing that once he gets used to it and gets on the mark, um, I, I mean it's going to be great. But also with with Lagos Kunga, I think the way that he works and with his speed and his unpredictability and just technical work on the ball. Um, it, it may seem that he works more or harder just because he's maybe a bit more, I don't want to say gritty, but just the way that he gets into challenges, he's willing to make those little challenges that most people would say, this guy's just being a gnat. He's just trying to be annoying. I think Kunga, he makes those and he's able to, you know, win the ball out of it. Whereas this is something Dadashov, a bigger frame, we might not see as much of. So I guess to, to, give the uh, wrap-up on this question that we've talked about for quite some time. I think what Kunga has done this preseason is forced Rick Schatz 
to look at him as one of the primary substitute options. I think the day we signed Kunga, he was more of an insurance policy, and he was more of a, okay, maybe we'll sub him in some matches, maybe we'll, we'll play him in the Open Cup. But with his performances this preseason, he now has to be one of the top two guys off the bench in any substitute match, like in any in any match where you need fresh legs. And having that kind of option come in in the 65th minute against a defense that's already been worn down trying to hold us at bay, that's like having a damn cheat code. Yeah. no, You and just that's... have to play the kid. And that's what I'm saying, you know, with him, this, the same with Kalistri. And, I mean, I don't even want to get started on our, our winger situation because, I mean, when you're thinking about it, you know, if, if Fleming starts, you probably have Santi Moore on the bench. So you're talking about, you know, you have Kalistri, the super sub, to come on. You have Lagos Kunga or you have more Flemings. I mean, you know, all of these guys who could easily start, I think, on most teams, except maybe Kunga. But, I mean, and you only get three subs. How do you... And it's just there's so much for Rick Schantz and, you know, Peter Ramage and the rest of the staff to, to work through and figure out how they're going to keep all these guys happy and on the field because, um, I mean, it's it's going to be crazy right now. I, I expect, you know, this lineup to, to be standardized in the beginning, but throughout the season I'm sure we'll see a bunch of rotation. Yeah, I, I'll just say this. I think that Kunga will score at least five second-half goals this season because – the combination of his speed, his tenacity, and a tired, tired opposing legs, it's just a counterattacking dream. Say we're up 1-0 in a match in the 70th minute and we get him in space on a counterattack, just thinking about it should drive all of you guys crazy. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, when you think about some of these teams that, you know, when you get late into the match, they leak goals. Um, there's, you know, a bunch to be had. And I mean, thinking back to last season, I think Ben Spencer had like two or two or maybe three goals. And those were, I think, all in the second half. I mean, this kid's an improvement upon Ben Spencer. No, no, you know, slight to Ben Spencer, but just what he's shown so far. Um, I mean, it is going to be very exciting. And yeah, like you said, I, I think we can expect a lot out of him late in matches and he'll definitely earn us some points. Um, and so any other thoughts on who will be in our roster? Let's give like some hypothetical starting 11s for opening day. Who, who do you guys think starts opening night? Wow. You know, for me, I actually think that a lineup similar to the lineup we saw last night, um, could very possibly be our starting eleven on on march 7th against t2 um for me you know the biggest the biggest question marks are always going to be out on the wings and in our midfield but i think you know having zach lubin in that our back four of awusa ansa kanto aj cochran and joey farrell and darnell king i think that's you know pretty much set in stone right now the only place you could really make you know some alterations are with uh cory whelan filling in for either farrell or cochran but for me, the strongest midfield has to be Kevin Lambert, Solomon Asante, and John Baccaro. I mean, they, those guys together have just been dynamite. And then, you know, up top, Santi Moore, Junior Flemings, and Dadashov. I mean, that's that, for me, is our best front line. 
and I really think that's, you know, who are maybe top performers are for each position respectively. But I also think that, you know, <laughs> barring any kind of injury, lack of fitness, um, there could be changes to pretty much every position other than probably, probably goalkeeper. So that's interesting. So you're going to pull, you, uh, you're going to pull Asante back into the midfield there, uh, which is what we saw against, I believe, I, I believe he played in that position against both Columbus, um, as well as, um, uh, against Kansas city. Am, am I right there? I believe that's I, right. Yeah, I believe so. Um, I think Asante gets a little bit lost in the midfield uh, when he's pulled back in the middle there. I think he was more effective last night on the wing. Um, the problem then is, you know, your man out is Junior Flemings. And Flemings was your most productive scorer in the Sun Cup. So what does it say to, say to the player when you say, well, thanks for being so productive. You really did a fantastic job of scoring goals. Uh, but we're going to go ahead and uh, sit you, and and you're going to be a substitute. Um, you know, I, I don't think that there's any doubt that Joey Calistri is need, needs to sit as the backup. Um, that's fine. I think he'd be comfortable with that, knowing who's ahead of him. Uh, but I think the big thing is, wh- who are you going to see in that right side midfielder position? Are you going to go with the Spanish trifecta? of John Baccaro, uh, Jose Aguinaga, and Santi Moore? Or are you going to put in, uh, or are you going to have Asante uh, sitting back there in favor, of, in favor of Aguinaga, who Aguinaga is more of a passer and a playmaker, um, who is comfortable in the midfield, as opposed to Asante, who likes to push forward? It's a hell of a choice to make. Oh, and let's not forget that Sam Stanton just joined the team. I was just going to say, Sam Stanton, Jack Barnby. I mean, how many other midfielders do we have that, I mean, we're not even seeing feature regularly right now. Um, I know I know Barnby's, you know, had his his injury, but I mean, it, it is. It's really, you know, it's <laughs> it's such a headache, but it's it's a fun one to try and work out. I will say, I, so, and, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm going off of my memory, is that... More Santi Moore played on the left side last night, and and he played in front of me for the for the first half of the match. He is so good on that side. I I, I was so impressed by his work, um, and and the thing and the things that he was doing on that side. The the thing is that's Fleming's favorite side. So if Fleming's is on the field, then that means Moore has to switch to a switch to a side that he might might not be as productive or as comfortable with. Um, so, you know, this may end up being less of a Asante versus Fleming's issue and more of a more of a um, more versus Fle- uh, more versus Fleming's issue. More Fleming's. <laughs> Fleming. Yeah, I, I know that's. Go for it, Kyle. I, I was just going to say, it's a great point. It's something that I noticed last night. You know, Santi Moore, he, he absolutely just destroyed that left side of the field. Every single time you could see when Rising had the ball, we were trying to get it out to him. And, you know, his ability to cut inside as he approaches that, you know, the 18-yard boxes is just, it's so beautiful. And really, I think 
I think he's he for me has probably been the breakout player of preseason just because he's he's performed so well coming into a, a club, you know, that is is new to him. Um, and, and really, I mean, you know, for Junior Flemings, the one thing that I think might, you know, be a knock against him and he might not always, you know, be starting regularly is when he's gone for international team experience and then working his way back into the squad when he's playing, you know, back from playing for Jamaica. Um, Santi Moore is not going to miss a beat and I doubt he's getting called out for Spain anytime soon. Um, so, I mean, really, I think, you know, for Flemings, it's going to be tough to maintain that spot because he's got Santi Moore who's chomping at the bit and is going to be here in Phoenix all season. Yeah. Um, although I guess, uh, Santi, I mean, he's from the, is he from Barcelona area? Uh, I want to say is cause maybe he would, maybe he'd get called up for Catalonia. (laughs) hey that'd be that'd be pretty cool if that (laughs) i doubt it but i think baccaro is catalonian i know baccaro is that's where uh he's from like outside of there but let me see well it's even in that case there's so much talent from there they probably wouldn't go with him but um i mean it's it's hard to argue with the starting 11 from last night the only thing is are you really not going to start Corey Whelan at one of those center back spots? Um, yeah, that was my biggest surprise about Kyle's take there. I mean, yeah, he, just, it, it, he seems like such a lock that you would just have to put him in at one of those spots. And then the battle would be more between Cochran and Farrell. And yet Cochran and Farrell haven't been terrible this preseason. I am not the biggest fan of Cochran, but he's... He's really uh when he's on he's a good player. Yeah, yeah, and the only reason I went with those two was because that's the pairing that I have seen the most of in this preseason. I've seen the pairing of Cochran and Farrell quite a bit. Um but I I think as you guys said, I think Cochran is probably the most air prone of these three center backs. Um, but he also, I think, well, I, you can't say it anymore. Joe Farrell's definitely the biggest offensive, you know, threat, but I think, you know, his, his ability to put in the long ball and we saw his header on last night for Asante's goal. He does get stuck in there in the box on set pieces, um, from Corey Whelan. I haven't seen as much of that, but I mean, his defensive play is just outstanding. I mean, when you see him back there, uh, you are you know, positive that he's going to make that tackle and make that play. Um, but, you know, the fact that we haven't seen too much of Whelan, it's given me a little bit of cause for concern, but I think that it's just been more of Rick knowing what he's going to get out of Corey and one to test Joe and AJ a little bit more. So, I mean, really, I think I'm with you guys. I think Corey Whelan could easily start. I just went off of who I've seen more of in the preseason. Yeah, I mean... Personally, I would like to see a Wheel and Farrell back line, but I have the feeling that it's going to be Cochran and Whelan on opening night. I don't know why. It's just... I feel like Rick Schantz has a lot of trust in AJ, and uh, when AJ's playing well, he, he validates that trust. So, I just... That's the way I see that one going. But otherwise, I feel like yesterday's starting 11 is going to be difficult to mess with because when Aguinaga, Bacaro, and Moar are in the same starting 11, 
the communication they have and like the quality they have as a unit is just really, really hard to replicate. Even with Flemings being so good on the wing, they can basically communicate in Spanish and just have <laughs> great chemistry together. I mean, the language barrier against the USL championship opponents it could be, you know, a huge upper hand. <laughs> they could even... Uh, I checked, and, and Moir is not from Catalan. But let me see where Aguinaga is from. I mean, they could even do He's some He's from Catalan. Madrid. Okay. Aguinaga's from Madrid. But they could even throw, like, different... Um, parts of the country Spanish dialects at opponents and you know most <laughs> other Spanish speaking players in our league are like Mexican Mexican uh, yeah yeah but the Mexican so the, the dialect South American Spanish is different. Yeah yeah yep, it's yep. very different. So they could just throw some weird some weird <laughs> at the end of their stuff, just really throw them off. Well and when you use that Catalan lisp too, I yeah mean, it'll throw off people for sure. <laughs> It's a real X factor. <laughs> um, well, I think that's enough talk about the opening day roster. I think we have a good idea of what it's going to be, give, it, give or take a few pieces. Um, but I think that's a good discussion. I want to turn things a little bit towards a season preview. We get real hyped up about these every year. Um and I, I'm going to admit, before this preseason, I even wrote an article saying I didn't believe Phoenix would finish the Western Conference regular season atop the table. Um, but the the strength of these performances is making me question it because I've never seen a Phoenix Rising team look that good against that level of competition. Um, who are some teams you think that can really compete with Phoenix Rising for that top spot? Whether they outdo us or not, who are some teams that will be our main competition for that top spot? I think Sacramento Republic has, has got to put a really good foot forward here um, in anticipation of their move. Um, I think, you know, now that they're, they're basically going into a season where they're trying to earn their MLS fans, they've earned their franchise. No arguments with them earning a franchise, unlike arguments related to other cities. Um, <laughs> but now they're really going to make a play to earn their MLS fans and get all those preseason tickets, all the seating, um, the, the, um, the seating priority, all that kind of crap. So I have a feeling that Sacramento is gonna, going to really be pushing it uh, to, to challenge to be toward the top of the table. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Sac Republic actually netted a 3-1 win over San Jose Earthquakes um, in a closed-door scrimmage on Friday. Kami Wasa getting on the board. Um, Ilion Bijev made some plays for them. And that's a pretty impressive win because Earthquakes is supposed to be competing for the playoffs this season. Um, they're definitely not a joke franchise like they were a couple years ago. Um but Sac Republic still gets a big win there. And it can't be understated how good of a coach Mark Briggs is. He was going to be the Real Salt Lake manager. He probably would be the Real Salt Lake manager right now, if not for the allegations that came up in 2018. 
allegations which were ultimately dismissed. And so now he has a chance to coach a, a strong side and really have this side overachieve for the first time in a while. Here's another one, though, that scares me a little bit, just a little bit. I think Orange County has been making a lot of offseason signings, big offseason signings, and I think people are sleeping on just how good they're going to be in 2020. Um, the most recent one was, I forget the guy's name, but he was the 2016 USL MVP. Um, and they picked this guy up, Striker. So he's going to be a big upgrade on Michael Seaton. They've they've got. He's the one that played for FC Cincinnati, right? Yeah, it's like Ugo something. I'm I'm trying to find the name, but I know I remember, I remember seeing that because I remember seeing with the release he was in the orange and blue, um, jersey. Let's see. Well, in any case, I mean they. uh, Sean 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 O O I don't know Acoli. how to pronounce it. Yeah. Oh, there we go. There's an I. Sean Acoli. <laughs> um, but they've, I mean, they've been making pretty solid signings throughout this offseason, even before this. I mean, not like the grade A kind of signings, but like the right, that tier below it, where they're not the biggest names, but they're really solid. Thomas Ennevoldson's going to be back, too. Yeah, and they, I mean, they, were, they were one of the two strongest teams down the stretch in the USL Western Conference last year. Yeah, I mean, you're still talking. you got Aiden Quinn. you got Darwin Jones. Um, Th- Thomas Innovolson is a huge pickup for them. I mean, that's he, he's just a really solid player. And then I think – and then um, they started a new partnership uh, with the Scottish Rangers. Um, so Rangers actually have loaned three players uh, to them, uh, Danny Finlayson, uh, uh, Cami Palmer and uh, Matthew Shields. Um, so this relationship that they have with a uh, with a team overseas actually can benefit them. Uh, the only thing that it doesn't benefit is their media relations guys, because if you've seen any interviews with these dudes, they speak English, but I don't know, have a damn idea what they're saying. <laughs> they're good dudes, though. Uh, you just can't understand them. Um, Basically, what they're doing with Rangers is what we should be doing with Galatasaray, uh, but we haven't figured out how to do it yet. <laughs> I forget from time to time about that, you know. <laughs> well, there, there's no reason to remember that they it. have amongst the clubs. Yeah, they, they, I mean, even lower key guys, Seth Casipli, uh, they brought in from uh, Reno. Diego Lopez, they bring in. Um, they have. I really think Enavolson's going to be huge for them. I mean, he's so he spent 18 with Orange County. He left them to go to Indy 11. Didn't really fit there. Indy 11 released him halfway through the season, or or he asked to be moved, and he got transferred to Sacramento Republic uh, for the remainder of the season. Really gave uh, Sac Republic a bit of a, a a a bit of a shot in the arm. And now he's back home with, with the team that he's comfortable with in Orange County. And I think Innovolson's going to be painful for us to play again. Yeah, that's that's personally my pick for um, the team that's going to be right there with us neck and neck in the regular season standings. 
um, to top the Western Conference. You know, before really seeing these two matches this week, I had them pegged to slightly edge us out for that number one spot and then us coming in second. But um, with these performances, I might have to switch things up. But they are going to be a force. They're definitely not going to be lagging behind in like fifth or sixth place like they were most of last season. Um, this is going to be very 2018-esque where they're going to be going for the title this season. And they're going to be they're going to be putting up some big numbers on teams. This is that's that's to me the number one threat. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, you know, it sucks. I'm trying to figure out, you know, who I would pick because uh you guys took my number one and number two choices of who's going to be our best competition. But I mean, there's definitely a few other teams out there who I think, you know, have improved. The one team that, you know, I'm not sold on but they've been consistent throughout the past is Reno. Um, I, you know, they have a few new signings. The one, you know, that really sticks out for me is, you know, Foster Langstorff, bringing him in from Portland, from T2. Um, I'm really interested to see, you know, if he's able to make, make it here in the Reno um, franchise. He wasn't able to get pulled up to the first team of Portland, but I mean, along with the signing of Kevin Partita from San Jose Earthquakes, Tucker Bone from Colorado Springs, they've made a few improvements. Um, for me, their, you know, their Achilles heel was always their defense. If they can improve upon defense, I think, you know, Reno could be up there with OC and Sacramento in, uh, you know, competing with Phoenix for this top four in the Western Conference. Yeah, they I, also they also picked up Emmer. Uh, let's see. Is that right? Yeah, they also picked up Emmer Clementa out of Sacramento Republic as a defender. Um, they, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you know, they, 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 they have some decent players. Yeah, and I believe Ian Russell is still the manager there, correct? And he's, I mean, he's, you know, a great manager at this USL level. So really, I think, you know, Reno might be a little bit um, higher than they were last year. But I, I ultimately, I think it's, you know, those two Californian teams, uh, maybe not the one down south near the border. But I think, you know, San Diego, they've had, they have really interesting signings for me. I just haven't seen enough of the on-field product. But, um, I mean, they have it, you know, out, out there for them that they could compete and I think definitely make playoffs. And I have to apologize. Emmer Clementa actually moved over to San Diego Loyal. So that was, that was perfect. They had their, uh, San Diego had their first uh, home friendly last night. I saw some Twitter, uh, some Twitter speak about it. Uh, lots of fans, you know, lots of fans out there. Um, Alan Underwood, uh, who formerly of, uh, Orange County's podcast actually got to see a stadium that was actually full of people uh, that was a part <laughs> stadium. Uh, so, so I mean, of age people at that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so great to see that San Diego is starting to get into it. Um, not a not a huge fan of the branding. I think it's kind of cool, except for the fact that it looks like a dish like dish soap logo. Um, yes, but you know they. They they played. Um, uh, God, where was that team from? They they uh, were Panamanian. Costa Rica. Panamanian. Panama. Panama. That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah, Costa del Costa del Este uh, from Panama came up and uh, they filled the stadium. So it was really great to see. 
And San Diego actually got the 1-0 win in that match. They also beat FC Dallas 1-0 in a preseason friendly. Um, so they're definitely a team that I think will make the playoffs this season. Um, I could see them having a New Mexico type of year. Maybe not with the Open Cup run, but maybe getting off to a strong start that turns some heads. And then as the season wears on, they fall a little bit. But I do see them making it in one of those wild card spots. There's a couple teams that you know, kind of the elephants in the room, three elephants in the room that I'll, I'll ask for your guys' opinions on. The two teams that played in the conference final last year, Monarchs and El Paso, and then New Mexico, who a lot of people think will be a top four team in the West this season. I'm not so sold on that. What's your guys' thoughts? Well, Real Monarchs took a real big hit because they're, they're losing. Uh, they've lost... Uh, Michael Chang, like we as we discussed before, and I believe that their their uh, outstanding defender Noah Powder, he is still on contract with Real Monarchs, but I think that they're trying to move him up to the first team as well. Um, of course, Real Monarchs did add uh, Devin Vega onto their squad, and he's got some good playing time uh, in, in in their preseason as well. Uh, so you know I hate to say that a two-team has a chance to, to continue success, but you can never count those guys out. You can't, but I, I also think, you know, what Monarchs were able to do last year, um, I, I don't know that it's, you know, absolutely able to be replicated um, again and again. For them, I, I think, you know, the talent may have caught up to them. They did have a lot of guys that, you know, were, I think, at least at MLS quality or top of USL. Um, and, and I don't see that in their, in their, you know, squad this year, but you know, on the opposite side of that Western conference final um, El Paso, I really, you know, I really, really just don't know how they're going to, you know, cope this year losing Sebastian Velasquez. He, I think for them was, you know, contributed so much. And I, I really, you know, I'm disappointed that he was let go, but I'm also happy that he's not going to be in the Western conference. Um, but I mean, I, I think El Paso actually, they also lost, um, Jordan Keyswater or Keyswater. Yeah. yeah. So, so, the, you know, for me, they lost so much attacking production right there that it, it's going to be so tough for them to, you know, stay relevant, but they're, they've lived by their defense and I still think they're going to be a very tough team to beat. I just, I see a lot of draws in the El Paso future. And I, I mean, on New Mexico, I, I'm still not sold. I, I mean, they, I think they will be a good team. There's no reason they shouldn't make playoffs again. Um, but I just, I don't know if they're able to have the early season run that they did, but, you know, maybe, you know, with a full off season and a few key new guys, uh, they're able to do it. I did see they signed, um, Kalen Ryden from Real Monarchs. Um, they're, I think he was their right back. And I, I specifically remember him, you know, being solid for Monarchs. So another defensive piece that they let go to a Western conference, you know, enemy. So, um, it's, it's really going to be interesting, but those three teams, I, I don't know that we see the improvements that uh, some people might be expecting. And I think you could even throw San Antonio into that bag as well. I am with you on that. Um, I think all four of these teams, now that we're mentioning San Antonio, are playoff sides in the Western Conference. But I don't think any of them will end up finishing top four in the West. I think a couple of them get those five, six spots and a couple of them have to do the wild card rounds. 
they're all solid playoff sides. I don't think, you know, maybe one of those teams is going to be fighting at the end, but I think the others will be safely in the playoffs. But I think they're, with all of those teams, there are significant flaws that'll keep them from reaching, you know, the top of the top in the West. For New Mexico, it's going to be replacing Kev, uh, Kevon Frater's production as he went to sign in the India Premier League, which is cool to see. We can root for him again. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I mean, they still... And losing Santi Moore. Yeah. I mean, they, they bring a lot of guys back, but those are two huge pieces to lose. And, uh, you know, New Mexico, I think, will be in the top six, but I don't see them getting top four. El Paso, I could see them having to go down to the wild card round. I, I think they really lost quite a bit and then san antonio same thing i think they're going to be the wild card round for the same reason that el paso will be there not a lot of scoring options and a lot of draws i think both those teams are going to be grinding out a lot of results a lot of low scoring matches um despite having possession in those although i'll just i'll just have once one quick note uh and this is specifically for justin viber because he's a big kevon freighter fan uh, Freighter did see action yesterday and did have his first goal in, in his new league. I, I think it may have been his first match, uh, his first uh, start, and his first goal uh, yesterday. I will say, um, since we're on the topic, um, kudos to Freighter. But since we're talking about San Antonio, keep an eye out on Christian Pirano. This dude is such a baller. Um, total stud. Total a lot. A lot of Phoenix Rising fans were trying to undermine him because he was up against um, Solo Sante for Player of the Month, I think, in August of last season. But this kid is only 20 years old. He's already been in the River Plate Academy um, and scored seven goals and six assists last season. Um, I mean, this guy is so young and so talented. The sky is the limit for this guy. I, I think if he really breaks out, he could lead San Antonio to a top four finish. And if he can get San Antonio to a top four finish and score at least 10 goals, he really will be on the short list for MVP candidate. He could have that big of an impact. Yeah. Yeah. I think we saw glimpses last season. Um, at least I did. He's, you know, he's a very dynamic player. Uh, the key, I think, you know, is going to be, you know, building around him and allowing him, you know, to work off his strengths. Yeah, but if, I mean, if San Antonio can do that, they really do have a quality signing in Pirano. Um, it's it's going to be fun to watch. And that's the reason why I bring up San Antonio in this mix is they just haven't, you know, done the business that really, I think, raised, raised eyebrows, you know, similar to what the FC Tulsa did. Tulsa, I mean, they've made some, you know, some marquee signings. Um, I, I think for Tulsa, it's just how are you going to make it work on the field? Uh, you know, wh what's, you know, the play going to look like that I, I just can't, you know, project them into being a top team when I haven't even seen the body of work. And, uh, you know, for evaluation purposes, Tulsa has a couple very interesting preseason matches coming up. They play North Texas away on Tuesday and uh, North Texas won USL League one last year, probably good enough to make the USL Western Conference playoffs. That's that team had a lot of FC Dallas uh, youngsters, and FC Dallas, for those in the know, 
has a reputation for having some of the best young talent in MLS. So that's that's a squad. So if Tulsa can handle that match, I think they will go a long way to saying that they're a legitimate team. But that's going to be one I'm really looking forward to, to see what we can expect from Tulsa this season. Do you know when that match is, when it plays? Um, it, it looks like this Tuesday at 1 p.m. Okay. I'll have um, to try and watch that at work. <laughs> yeah. Try to find a stream on that. Um, and then, you know, when you get down to the, the last spot or two in the Western Conference, it's really a free-for-all. I mean, you could see teams like uh, Tulsa, San Diego, Colorado Springs, Las Vegas, OKC Energy, um, and then maybe an outside shot that like Austin or RGV or Los Dos competes for it. Um, who do you guys think kind of slide into the bottom half of those wild card spots? And then who do you think misses out? That's a tough one. Yeah, I'm just trying to look I, at the list of teams right now. I I always want to say first. OKC is in the fight for the wild card because it seems like they're always right there. But for me... Uh, I, I'd say Tulsa. Tulsa's going to yeah. be... Tulsa, I think, is going to be an improved squad. Um, you know, of course, we can never never tell. Um, but, you know, they, they've, they've changed some ownership, so... I think that they're going to be looking to, to be a more competitive squad. The big thing for them is going to be shoring up the defense because even last season they were able to score goals and uh, Luca Lobo is a very dangerous guy on set pieces. He's like a defender that scored over 10 goals for them last season, which is almost unheard of for defenders to do that. Um well, now it's saying his official stats are only saying seven goals, but he must have had some more in open cups because I feel like he scored more than seven goals last year. Um, but they they brought in they brought in Ariel Martinez from Miami. Um, they brought in Eric Bird. They're definitely going to have some interesting pieces. Um, Mike Conde Silva. For me, it was between Tulsa and Colorado Springs. I think one of those teams will make the leap into the playoffs and one won't quite get there. And I was really with Colorado Springs until, you know, looking at their preseason results and just their recent ones, um, getting beaten pretty solidly by Louisville City 3-0 and then suffering a 1-0 defeat to Union Omaha. Um, I think they'll be right there, but I, it's just hard because I, I think... I had Colorado Springs. I guess I'll go on the record with Tulsa, just edging them out for playoffs. But it wouldn't surprise me either way. I think both those teams have some ambition going. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how that race shakes out. Yeah. And that's, I mean, you know, for both those teams, I think the ambition is, you know, a real driving factor there. Um, FC Tulsa, you know, rebranding, uh, Colorado switchbacks. I mean, doing everything but rebranding, it seems like. New stadium, new squad, new manager. Um, it, it, both of these teams, I think, will be right there. It, it, the one team, you know, that I, I wanted to say just for fun at first, but there's no way I'm going to do it, 
is uh, Las Vegas. <laughs> well, and here's here's a here's a question off of this: If Las Vegas is not in the playoffs, you know, around like August, do you think Eric Winolda makes it the full season? Uh, I don't know, you know why they why they would fire him. I mean, yeah. Know, he he might leave in shame, but you know it is what it is. <laughs> but Kyle, I, I, what I'll say is uh, Vegas actually agrees with you. So I'm looking at a post uh, somebody, that somebody hit. You know, in terms of like uh, the the odds to win the 2020 USL championship, and mm-hmm. all those mid table guys. Or well, it's not even mid table anymore. All those playoff line uh, uh, teams are. Um, New Mexico United, Las Vegas Lights, Timbers 2, San Diego Loyal, El Paso Locomotive. Those are those are all the guys that are sort of right along the line. So, you know, Vegas doesn't dis- disagree with you, man. Hey, looks like I know what I'm, what I'm talking about then. But I, I, I just, you know, to get back to, to Aaron's point of I don't see them firing Winalda because I don't see Las Vegas FC being able to bring in a bigger name than Winalda for manager. Um, and, you know, just their current where they're at in their current state. So, yeah, I mean, if, if he is, you know, he does leave. Um, it, it's going to be very interesting, but uh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're a club that I, I really, you know, I don't know what to expect from them right now and going into this season. Um, so it, it's going to be really interesting. And I, overall, I think, you know, of those teams that you mentioned there, I think, you know, San Diego, I think has shown the most promise. And, um, I think, you know, the hype behind them can maybe help propel this team up a couple spots in the standings. Uh, so really I, you know, it's going to be so fun. And I think what's going to be most interesting is going to be just like last season is in the middle of the table, there's going to be such a log jam that, you know, there's going to be changing of spots week in and week out. Yeah, that's, I would just not want to be a fan of that organization. It's just, (laughs) it's frustrating. You feel like you take one step forward and two back. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things that when they came into the league, you know, I was really interested by it. And it, it's just seemed like, you know, since then, it's Vegas has kind of just played off their uh, their parody as a city. But <laughs> it's um it's it's going to be really fun to watch. I'm, I'm looking forward to it because I believe it's San Diego hosts Las Vegas in their season opener. Is that correct? I can do either of you guys know. That is correct. And that's Yeah, that'll be a fun match. We'll have to uh I'll have to stream that after the rising match. Um so I, I think Let's just go down the list and each give one surprise team, one team that's going to do better than people are thinking, and then one team that we think will do worse than people are thinking. Who wants to go first with this? If we're going to go better, I'm... If we're going to go better, I would say... I think that I think that it's Colorado Springs. 
even though you're being bullish on them, I think that it might take time for them to be able to get, you know, get the results. But one thing that they have that's a huge advantage is the altitude. Teams going up there and playing on the road always have a very difficult time. It's always a killer match. And, you know, if if they're able to get some teams that are traveling heavy and come in midweek, I think they can really rack up points. Um, so for me, I think Colorado Springs might surprise given where they were last year. I think if they make playoffs or even sniffing at playoffs at the end of the season, that's a surprise for them. Um, but the team that I think, you know, will underperform it, it for me, it's got to be Monarchs to go from, you know, being being the champions of the, you know, USL Ch- Cup to uh, I, I think they make playoffs, but I think they're probably in that maybe six to seven spot. Wow, that's definitely higher than I'd be willing to go on Colorado Springs. But that's what makes this fun. Aaron, what do you say? Oh, dude, this is a this is a really hard one. Because as I'm looking, I mean, um, I'm going to say Sacramento moves up to a top, to be a top four team. Um, and who's going to underperform? Um, I think... I think a locomotive underperform. I don't think that I. I think that they should be a mid-table team. I think that they're going to be in one of the bottom four. In the West, maybe. Wow. I was just going to say, but I mean, there's so many teams that I think could occupy the bottom four of the West. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you know, the the team I was going to say that really I was going to say was going to outperform. Uh, was going to be Defiance, and I was figuring that they'd get 26 <laughs> points this year instead of 22. Uh, <laughs> hey, with Colin Fernandez, they might be able to to shore up the midfield a little bit there. We'll uh, we'll see. Um, I think I think a team that I'll say for overperform and and maybe. Maybe it's a cop out because I've seen some national people say that OC will be good, but. I think OC will be top two in the West. I don't think most people have them that high, and I especially don't think a lot of Rising fans see them being that high. But I do think that OC, on paper, has one of the top three squads in the West, maybe top two squads, and they have some big pieces coming back I that haven't gotten the most attention, but I think on the pitch, they're going to get some big results. Um, I'll throw a bonus in there. I don't think Los Dos is going to be total hot garbage. I don't think they'll make the playoffs like they did last year, but I think they will be in the hunt going into the last few weeks. So it's a little bonus one. Um, and then for underachieving, I will say, uh, this is, this is tougher. Um, cause Aaron, you went El Paso, not even being close to the playoffs i don't know if i'd go that far i don't think okc will be that good i don't think i don't think they're gonna be even one of the first two or three teams out maybe definitely not gonna be one of the first two teams out of the playoffs so i think they'll be 13th or worse um they lost aj at jaqua they lost some good pieces, and it didn't seem like they brought anyone notable back. So if they are going to do better this season, 
it's going to be a lot of smoke and mirrors and great coaching because that was a dreadful team to watch last season, and it doesn't look like they brought anyone in that could improve things. The only thing that I'll say is them bringing in, I think there's four or five Fresno players. So almost half of the Fresno lineup maybe, maybe is able to salvage something there in Oklahoma City. But, I mean, it is a good point. You know, they don't have, you know, the big names that you would uh, you would want to see on a team that's on the rise. I'm also just looking at their, you know, the list of players, and they just have a thin lineup. You know, if they get one or two injuries to big players, like if Cody Lorendi gets hurt, if Frank Lopez gets hurt, if um, Igbeaga or Bazulovic, you know, if, if any one of those guys get hurt, they could be in trouble because they don't have depth. So that's that's my underachiever. Um, how do you guys feel about Rising's chances in the playoffs and which teams are going to end up competing with us in the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, look, everybody's, once again, everybody's picking us to be at the top of the league. Um, and it's not even by, like, a small amount either. You know, in terms of point totals and whatnot, it's like they're looking at us, then, you know, Miami and Pittsburgh and Louisville and several Eastern Conference teams before you even get to the next um the next Western Conference team, and I was nervous as hell last year when I saw us being picked as the num- you know, unanimous number one, and I remain to be nervous like that. I, I don't like expectations. Um, I'm a true Sun Devil fan. Every time I have expectations, I'm disappointed horribly. By the way, ASU basketball number one in the Pac-12 right now, um, and you know maybe for another five minutes, but I guess I'll enjoy it as much as I can. Although I'm not apparently I'm not allowed to talk anything about Tucson anymore. No, no, please, please, we're gonna disavow if you say anything <laughs> bad about Tucson. I, I guess we'll just edit this whole portion out. We'll pause for a moment of. It's a lovely city. It, <laughs> really, like, come on, don't go there. Why'd you mute me, Dom? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we're, we're rising together as a state. Come on. Oh, God. It's they, so hard. They are on the so jersey. hard to keep quiet. Um, <laughs> but, you know, the reality is is that I, I've just been disappointed too many times when, 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 there, when there's high expectations. Um, so I'm so, like, averse to it. <laughs> I mean, that's called being an Arizona sports fan, right, Aaron? Yeah, true enough. True enough. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm with Aaron. I, I, I hate having the target painted on our forehead and our back and our heart and, you know, in every weak spot. And that's basically what what has been done, you know, by by all the analysts in the in Las Vegas. And uh, it's 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 a lot to put on this team. I think this team is better equipped physically and mentally than last year's squad to, you know, go out and dominate this league. But I also think that the rest of this league has upped their game big time. There's a lot of new talent 
And I think a lot of teams that will be wise to Phoenix and how we're able to get results. So, um, you know, it, it is it's really going to be tough. I think, you know, there's every team's going to be gunning for us. And we saw it, you know, near the end of the streak last year. Every team is going to, you know, it's going to be their Super Bowl when they play Phoenix Rising. And um, it's 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 really going to be tough. I will I will say this. Um, I'm going to stick with what I said in the article that I wrote and what I've been on record saying. And for the sake of raising some money for charity as well, if anyone um, wants to bet me that Phoenix Rising will top the regular season table, go for it. We can put a charity bet on it. Let's do it. Um, I think Phoenix Rising's performances, though, have made me a lot more bullish on them still finishing top two. And what it's really made me more bullish on is I believe this team is not scared of any MLS opposition. I believe this team will at least make the quarterfinals in Open Cup this season. They are that much of a threat. And it would not surprise me to see this team even make the semifinals of the Open Cup. Phoenix Rising is that strong. They are not going to be intimidated by any MLS team. They really have legitimate attacking weapons. We have strong defense. We have goalkeepers that have some MLS experience, at least training with MLS guys. And there's that team chemistry. There's just that the that cohesion, that unity. We have the penalty kick devils off our back. This could and and with the new format where MLS teams come in in round three. All of that together, I think this squad is going to make some noise in the open cup. I am really, really excited about it. And then um, when it comes time to playoffs, it just feels like it's going to be Phoenix versus Orange County in the Western Conference Finals. And <laughs> I can't wait. I I was making a little uh, a bracket because I was pretty bored at a seminar at work this week. And uh, I had I had Phoenix in the two seed making it past El Paso, beating New Mexico in the semis, um, and then going to Orange County and winning the West. And then I would love to see a Phoenix-Miami USL final. Um, I don't know if that's how it's going to happen, but I would love to see that. And I think this is is the year we, we go all the way and make it happen. But is the final in Phoenix or is it in Miami? That's the question. I don't know. I'm going to be there either way. If it's in Miami, I, was gonna say, I will who be cares? there. <laughs> yeah. Shit, I'll take a trip to we're, Miami. We're going. That. It's we're better going. than Louisville. If, if it's Miami, <laughs> we're going. Um, yeah, I'm with you. I, I, I really, and when, when you put out that article, Dom, it makes a lot of sense. And, you know, history is just against the number one seed in, in you know, pretty much every sport. The, the, the number one seed, it seems like they get knocked out because you're playing those teams that, you know, they have nothing to live for. They, they just want to, you know, take you out. And that can be, you know, their glory for the season. Um, and, and, yeah, I really, I really just think that Phoenix, all in all, this team is much stronger. And for, like you said, now the more and more that I've been thinking about it, I think Open Cup is where we really can show how strong this team is. 
And and for me, I'm just going to be looking forward to those Open Cup draws and, you know, hoping that we can get one or two quality MLS sides um, maybe knocked out early to to help us out on our path. But, you know, if if we have to host LAFC here in Phoenix, I'll deal with it. Aaron, your thoughts? Yeah, I don't know how much more I have to add, to be honest with you. <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, I'm so... I have not put in the time necessary to understand some of the moves on some of these other teams. Uh, you know, I, I know where I want things... Um, I know who I'd love to see, you know, I'd love to see another Western Conference Championship with us in Orange County, um, just because I think it's fun as hell. Um, you know, I'd love to see it being San Diego. I'd, I'd love to see it being anybody that we can just beat the hell out of. I mean, that that's fine with me. Um, in terms of Open Cup runs, um, that, that was kind of mentioned before, um, I'm more focused on the regular season. I'd love to kind of hand hand the MLS its ass just like we did in the preseason as we you know have have done three out of the four uh, three out of four matches here um, and and be able to show MLS what they're missing out on in terms of fan experience and in terms of travel and in terms of everything else that we got going on here um, and really you know just continue to do more to earn the respect that I know that we deserve. Well, and to counterpoint that, Aaron, I think there's no better way than to go into the Open Cup and whoop up on the ass of some MLS teams on, you know, a large stage. I think that's, you know, the best way to show MLS, hey, we don't even need you guys. We're in our own league where we're independent and, you know, we're still beating your opposition that's controlled. Yeah, and we don't need any gam or tam or jam or lamb or ham or ham. We don't need any of those dollar acronyms. We don't need yeah. none of that. Uh, yeah, I mean, ham's not even kosher, so I don't want any of it. <laughs> and no Sam either. <laughs> no Sam. And no Sam, but yeah, we, <laughs> you do miss the Sam a little bit. Oh, man. By the way, <laughs> one one last thing before we before we go on this. Did you guys hear Nashville's song, official team song? I, I did. And what sucks is, is first I saw the, the USL memes post about it in the ASPCA thing. But, uh, I mean, that is atrocious. And coming from somewhere that claims to be the music city, get out of here. <laughs> it is unbelievable how ridiculous this song is. Um, and anyone who hasn't seen that USL memes post about it needs <laughs> to go check that out because it's just it's just unbelievable. Um, I'll I'll <laughs> even play it right now. Why not? Let's let's do that. Um, it, I mean, yeah. It... <laughs> so we can we can get our final thoughts out, and then I'll just I'll send us off with that ridiculous song. Um, is this the one that goes like, our mayor doesn't want a stadium? <laughs> our hey, sister, brother, will never give up, up on you. Yeah, it's a mess.
Yes. Um, any any final thoughts besides fuck Nashville? They're just hilarious. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, as far as the whole Nashville thing goes, I mean. It, they really, really pulled the wool over MLS's eyes. That's all I can say on that. And um, I mean, final thoughts as far as you know this episode. I'm, I'm really, you know, before this this preseason tournament, uh, you know, I I wasn't uh, maybe thinking, oh, you know, Rising is going to be as we talked about one of the top teams, if not the top team in the West. But now, I mean, this team has just got to be oozing with confidence. And I'm I'm really you know we won't get to see the the games uh, this midweek the closed door friendlies but I'm really looking forward to seeing what the final results are against uh, I think it's New Mexico and El Paso correct yes yeah yeah I'm looking forward to that I think it's going to be great to be playing you know on our on our playing field playing against teams that we'll be seeing regularly in the regular season but I think ultimately. I I'm just as ready as these players just to get this season going. I mean, uh, it's it's time. It's due. Uh, we've done so much in this preseason. We've seen a lot out of the squad. We still, like we talked about, we're still not absolutely certain on what our starting eleven is going to be. But I mean, for me, I think you know the eighteen is is what we're going to rely on this season, and and it's as strong as it's ever been. And I'm I'm fully looking forward to it because this team's going to do some uh, some special things. They might not break records like. We we did last year but i think you know overall the results that we get they're going to speak for themselves aaron anything to add there yeah definitely looking forward to getting the the regular season starting um there's so much that goes into preseason that unfortunately you know as as much as it's awesome to talk about beating mls teams and you know, really having proper, properly good showings. Um, I, I really don't want to get overconfident about what we were able to accomplish. Uh, things are so controlled in terms of you know player development and trying to see guys and fitness and how many and minute limits and and whatnot that comes into play. That I don't want to over. Um, I don't want to put too much weight on everything that happened in preseason. Um, what really comes down to is when we're in week eight, when we're in week 12, and we're sort of in the slog of the summer and how these guys are rotated and, and how they act and react. Um, here we have a small sample size, like I said, very heavily controlled, mass subs at a half or 65 minute, 65 plus 35 minute games that are really two two matches in one. What's going to happen when we have to put together a full 90? Uh, that's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, I'm excited for that. I think we got a good taste last night against Real Salt Lake, but it's going to be fun once the season gets going and we get on the road for matches in Salt Lake, in San Antonio. Um, I don't really have anything else to add, so I will send us off with... This again, ridiculous uh, Nashville team song, you know, USL greater than MLS and fuck Nashville and go <laughs> rising, obviously. I give up, brother, hey sister, I'll never give up on you. Hey, Mrs. Hey, mister, I'll see.
I like to think Donald Garber has a lighter and he's just swaying side to side listening to this. And burning money in the process. Is this what he cries himself to sleep for making bad decisions? I'd like to think so. So Alright, I'll keep you guys in now. Hey God, you gotta just hang on because uh, Sarah McLaughlin comes on and it's great. <laughs> I'm Sarah McLaughlin. Please say you'll be the answer for an innocent suffering like me. An animal who needs your help. <laughs> call the number on your screen. Or go on and join the SPCA with a monthly gift. For just eighteen dollars a month, you can save a poor animal. AKA a Nashville fan. <laughs> oh, I hope they stop her. Oh man. This is your chance to say, I won't sit by while animals suffers. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. <laughs> That's awesome. Uprising. What were you gonna say? <laughs> I'm, I'm heading to the Humane Society right now. So, uh, uprising. Uprising. <laughs> gonna find a cow. is sponsored by the Arizona Sports Complex, home of the North Phoenix Soccer League, Summer Futsal, Box Lacrosse League, and Summer High School Advanced League. Please visit the Arizona Sports Complex and tell them the Risings One podcast sent you. This episode is brought to you by Roughneck Scarves and Golden Gold Press. Thanks to our sponsor, Golden Gold Press, the best choice for you to get custom shirts, hats, mugs, and other items just yourself and your organization. Check out their amazing products at a fraction of the price from other places at goldengoldpress.com. Also, thanks to Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Thanks also to the Beautiful Game Network and all the other excellent podcasts that you can find covering soccer and all things USL.